0: this is alan seaborn from winning at home welcome to in progress a podcast about faith life and how we grow and i don't know i'm kind of on the tail end of it maybe you can hear in my voice that um, i've been dealing with some i don't know exactly sinus infection uh, potentially whatever the adult version of croup is that I got from one of my nephews. So, uh, if you hear that in my voice and that's annoying, I'm sorry about that, but hopefully, well, I'm going to (laughs) record next week's episode at the same time. So you'll hear it there too. But then hopefully after that, we'll be back to normal and, uh, yeah, we won't have any kind of drainage type stuff in my throat. Anyway, just wanted to say that (laughs) as I'm getting started because you're going to be hearing it however long I'm talking. But what I want to talk about in this episode is something that, and I can't remember if I've told uh, the story. I know that I've told that what I did before I started working at Winning at Home, I spent from 2009 trying to think when I graduated college, yeah, 2009 to 2011, working at a church just outside of Detroit. And we spent a lot of time working with a homeless shelter that was in downtown Detroit. And the church uh, where I was staying, they had, um, it was kind of like a secondary parsonage kind of a thing. and what they wanted to do what they had tried doing before was to have kind of an unmanned halfway house really small scale uh and then when i came on staff they wanted to have a manned halfway house so some of these guys would come from uh, the homeless shelter downtown detroit and they would come stay with me we would spend some time every day doing um some discipleship stuff we would do some job skills training, some volunteer work at the church, you know, those kind of things as sort of a a way of, I don't know about re-entry into society, but, you know, as a step back toward um, kind of normalcy for a lot of these guys who were coming out of a prison background or a homeless background um, who had different dependencies and addictions to drugs and alcohol and pills and those kind of things. Um, And so I spent a while doing that. Like I say, a really small scale halfway house. And what I saw as I was working with and living with these guys is, um, maybe some of you know this, but Depending on where you get your numbers, the rate of recovery from alcoholism or from drug addiction in terms of staying sober long term is somewhere extremely low, like 5%, 10% kind of thing, depending on where you're finding uh, the information. But some sources have it that low. And so what I watched was, um, these guys that were working hard and they were getting back on track in some ways. And of course, like any new habit or new routine or new, um, kind of pattern of life that you get yourself into, you know, there were growing pains and there were, uh, some issues and resistance and questioning and, uh, you know, lack of confidence, all these things that are just totally normal when anyone does anything new. But what I noticed was time after time after time, uh, these guys, when they would go back to their substance of choice, um, when they would, start using again or start drinking again or um, go back to these patterns what it did is it immediately just completely derailed their life it was obvious to me and to everyone around that they were back in this habit and you know, like so often happens um, when, when we're fighting, fighting, fighting to avoid something. Maybe, you know, this feeling from uh, trying to avoid eating sugar or eating carbs or trying to start working out or get more consistent at doing it or, um, you know, trying not to Uh, I'm blanking on something because I wasn't planning on giving that analogy right now, but uh, you get what I'm saying. When we mess up, at least this is what I do. I go, well, I already messed up, so I might as well. uh, Now, I don't think of it this way in my head, but this is the the way that I act, right? I might as well get my money's worth, right? If I'm going to eat some junk, if I'm going to not exercise for a little while, maybe I'll just extend that because I already messed up, so I'm just going to spend some more time eating junk, some more time not exercising, some more time doing whatever. Destructive, negative habit that I have fallen into. And what I saw with these guys is that the moment that they relapsed, The moment that they went back and they messed up, what that did is it blew everything up. And I can remember, you know, I didn't really notice it, I don't think, the first time. But as a couple of these guys uh, fell off the wagon and were arrested or were, you know, just kind of disappeared and showed up at the house two weeks later, you know, whatever it was. um, I noticed as I gave people at the church an update of, hey, this person is, um, you know, not at the house right now, not at the house anymore, kind of a deal. I watched how people reacted. And what I was struck by in those moments is, man, for these guys who are in our rehab program, who um, are trying to not detox, but stay clean long-term from these substances that they know they have an issue with, um, when they go back to it, it's public knowledge and... It's obvious to anyone around them, and it totally ruins their lives. And I watched how uh, people in general, this isn't true for everyone, but the general response was, you know, a pretty disapproving look, and, oh, man, I can't believe they did that, or I can't believe they threw everything away, or I can't believe... You know, and it's almost this... Um, you know, somewhat indignant, kind of like, oh, man, ah, wow. And as I heard those kind of reactions from people, I remember finding myself sitting there and thinking while they're talking, man, it's so crazy that when I mess up in my life, when I go back to my thing, and I know I've talked about um, this before in multiple episodes, uh, when I go back to my thing of looking at porn in secret, nobody knows about it. I'm behind closed doors, just me there, and you know I relapse. We don't use that term, really, um, but I relapse and... I could show up to the church the next day and nobody would know. And I, I remember just being so struck by the difference there, uh, by the gulf between uh, what it looked like depending on your addiction that's specific to you Uh, Some addictions, I don't know if they were socially acceptable, but they were socially hideable for sure. Maybe a little bit more acceptable too, to be honest. And so this idea has kind of been, you know, bouncing around in my head for a while. It's been um, 2009, so yeah, it's been a decade ago. Uh, that I started a little bit over that even. That seems crazy. Um, And so I I tell you that to tell you the reason that I was so intrigued by something that I came across. Uh, There's a guy who is a researcher, a psychiatrist, an author. I hadn't heard of him before I came across this interview, but it's a guy... Uh, his name is Judd or Judson Brewer, and he does TED Talks and he, you know, like I said, he's written books. and he looks at um, he looks at addiction, he looks at habits. He looks at basically what motivates us to start or stop um, positive or negative habits and patterns, and addictions. And I'm going to read just a a brief little line that he has for his definition of addiction. Now, you might agree that you think this is, okay, that's a fair way to characterize addiction, or you might not. Um, I share with you what I experienced as I was at this halfway house over by Detroit, because I want you to get my perspective on this, why this jumped out to me so much, and why, to me, this definition of addiction is really helpful and really powerful. And so he defines addiction as continued use despite adverse consequences. Continued use despite adverse or negative consequences. And when I heard that, I was immediately trans... I mean, I came across this two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I was immediately transported back to a decade ago, and remembering what it felt like to have addiction defined in a way that didn't fully make sense to me. Because it didn't encapsulate some of these other destructive, negative patterns and tendencies that I saw in my own life. And so I started thinking... Um if addiction is continued use despite adverse or negative consequences that definitely contains kind of the things that we traditionally think about as uh, things that people are addicted to and so you know it would contain the idea of drugs or alcohol or pills it would um contain maybe maybe this one isn't as natural of a thing that we consider addictive behavior, but um, eating or drinking in excess, um, porn, video games, shopping, gambling. These are things that we have no problem describing someone, maybe ourselves being addicted to. But if addiction really is continued use despite adverse consequences, it opens up the field a little bit, doesn't it? And it makes us realize that, oh, there are some other things that I do that I never would have thought about as an addiction because it's not really um, to a substance it's not really too, uh, in. I don't know about the word for it, not compulsive, but sort of a, um, a behavior that I just, yeah, I don't know. It, you get what I'm saying. I think I'm struggling to come up with the word for it, but um, I don't know. Anyway, so I say that or <laughs> try to say that or don't say that, because I wanna read through a list of, I don't know, what is it, maybe 15 different things that I thought through, okay, what, and you're gonna hear on a lot of this, this is probably gonna be the things that I can relate to, right? That's why I came up with most of them, not all of them, but most of them. And I wanna read through if addiction is continued use despite adverse or negative consequences. What about this list? I wrote down um, control in general, our need to be in control, overthinking or overanalyzing, browsing our phone, laying in bed, Being sedentary, holding grudges, constantly checking bank account balances, doing things our own way without input from other people, needing to have more and more and more information, watching the news too much, creating conflict or drama. Needing things to be done my way. Routine. Procrastination. Not accepting responsibility. Now, like I say, pretty much any time I read through a list, this list is not even in the ballpark of being exhaustive this is uh, these are just the things that popped into my head thinking about this for probably 5 minutes if now whether or not you agree that it's fair to to call something that's a continued use of some behavior action substance whatever it is if you um If you don't feel comfortable describing continued use despite adverse consequences as addiction, if you feel there are other components and it has to be a substance, then take out the word addiction here and just think about this concept. Because I don't want to bump anyone out just because you go, I can't wrap my head around thinking of um, doing things my own way without input from other people as an addiction. I I don't want to bump anyone out for that. But I do want all of us to take a look at and evaluate in our own lives what do we keep doing even though it's not working? What do we keep doing even though it's not achieving what we think we're going to achieve by continuing to do this? What are we doing that's harming us or other people or our relationship with God? What are we doing and continue to do that has those adverse those negative consequences and then obviously the follow-up to that is um, what are we gonna do to change things what are some ways that we can put some uh, some guardrails in place some ways that we can you know in many ways kind of protect ourselves from ourselves Um, and not put ourselves in position to fail. Because we know these patterns, we know these behaviors, we know these, you know, whether they're things like uh, the beginning of this list, the things that we really would want to make sure that we're only doing this stuff in secret, uh, drugs, alcohol, pills, porn, online gambling, addictive level shopping, um, or some of the stuff that in many ways is a lot more socially acceptable. And if we explained it all out to somebody, um, we could justify most of the time that we do this stuff, you know, holding grudges. We could, we could convince somebody an impartial judge that, yeah, okay, you're probably not completely in the wrong to be frustrated with that person and to, you know. But I want to ask all of us, what are the things that we continue to do despite the pain that it's causing us, it's causing other people, it's causing God and let's figure out a way to leave that stuff behind because you know like I said for me the light switch really got flipped on when I read this simple definition when I or I heard it the first time when I heard this simple definition for addiction continued use despite adverse consequences and it has right there built into that definition that it's illogical and irrational and maybe for you that's not a huge like oh wow that's the red flag but for me the way that I try to orient my life I convince myself that I make my decisions based on what's rational and what's logical. And then when I'm confronted with the reality that I don't, at least not all the time, because I've got some patterns, some tendencies, some behaviors that I continue to do, continue to use, even though it's hurting me. It's hurting Annalise. It's hurting other people. It's hurting my relationship with God. I'm confronted with the fact that that stuff's got to go. And my hope is that maybe hearing some of this stuff talked about in a different context, um, you experience the same challenge that you know even though um it's just a, a definition of addiction it's one guy's definition of addiction right uh it's probably going to be mine moving forward too so it's two people at least <laughs> definition of addiction but it's my hope that as you rethink some things as you notice some areas in life where you've been continuing to do or use or think or act or whatever um, despite negative consequences that you take a look and go, I'm going to leave some of that stuff behind. That's what I want to work to do. Uh, I've, you know, I've read, like I said, that list of those 15 not as obvious addiction kind of things. Um, Some of those were me sharing my thing or my things that I want to take a look at and go, okay, I want to leave that behind. Um, I don't want to keep doing these things that are hurting me and the people around me and my relationship with God. So if there's been something That's holding you back, uh, something that you've been explaining away, something that you know isn't helpful, isn't positive, isn't helping you grow and love God and people more fully. Um, It's time to leave that in the past. So I want you to join with me because I'm needing to do that with some of these behaviors Um, join with me and let's do it let's leave that stuff behind and let's move forward into healthier patterns